0: Still on our series entitled Pilgrim's Life, it's based on the book of First and Second Peter. And last week, Pastor Jared discussed to us from Second Peter chapter two that the truth of God leads to a truly good and beautiful life in God. He emphasized also that there is a direct link with the truth that we believe and the life that we live. The truth that we believe and the life that we live. Wrong truth. Leads to wrong living. We are reminded of Jesus' words as he says that that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we may have life, and have it to the full. So if Jesus came so that we can have life, and the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, what he comes to steal, kill, and destroy is the life that Jesus meant for us. It's just opposing. That's why he's the enemy. So, when we say there is a direct link with the truth we believe and the life we live, the easiest way to destroy the life we are supposed to live is to steal, kill, and destroy the beliefs that we believe in. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 to 15. We read here Peter talking. He says, therefore, I intend to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to at any time recall these things. Peter was writing to the church and he's thinking that it's necessary not so much to reveal new and exciting stories, new and exciting truths. Instead, he thought it necessary to put every effort to remind them of timeless biblical truths that the church knew and were already established in, old, timeless, Ultimate reality truths, as Pastor Jared puts it. He was making clear, emphasizing that in his last days, he does not choose to say something new, something refreshing, something no one has ever heard of. In his last days, before his death, he chose to remind them of timeless, ultimate reality truths. Why? Why did Peter do this? End of your life, you're not going to say anything. Wala ka bang ibibilin? Let me remind you, I'll put all my strength, every effort of the things that you already know and the truths that you're already established in. Why is it that it's so important for the church to know or to live lives of remembering old and timeless truths? Isn't that boring? Me and my wife have a pet dog at home. Unfortunately, she just got her new haircut in that photo, so she looks like a rat, but her name is Storm. We provide well for her, I think. For those of you who don't have pets, what you may not know is that pet food is expensive. It's very expensive. She is part of our monthly grocery budget. And as responsible pet owners, it's our duty to always have food available for her in her food tray. So it's always there. But for some reason, Storm is so forgetful. She forgets that there is expensive grocery-bought food in her tray available at any time for her disposal. I don't know if she's just forgetful or she's just willfully stupid, But whenever she does a number two, if you know what a number two means, she tries to take a few bites, a taste test of her number two. And we're about to run to her, and then we also don't wanna touch the number two, so we're, no, 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 but she always has a taste test, right, before we get to her. Her food is expensive, this is free, Her food is yummy, this is not, and yet she chooses to take a swipe and a lick at her number two every single time, and she's six years old. Although she knows that there is actual food available for her, she continues to yield to her own appetite of wanting to take a taste test of her number two. Although we have established that we will never not provide food for her, it was a timeless truth. And yet she willfully chooses to take a swipe at a number two. Either she's forgetful or she's gross. Now you're asking, why did I have to talk about number two, about a dog on a Sunday morning? So offensive, so vile. But today's passage from Second Peter is likening a dog to believers or teachers who destruct their lives by going back to poop, to nothing, to vomit, even though there's actual established truths to hold on to. And so what? What I'm trying to say is if poop is for storm force, false teaching is for believers. False teachings and false beliefs invite us to turn away from established truths that we know that we've been rooted in. It's long been established and yet we turn away and choose another diet randomly for no reason, no logical reason. False teachings, false beliefs, invite us to return to our sinful nature, even after knowing and encountering the bread of life, the spring of living water, the truth that sets us free, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read the passage for today together. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant will also be destroyed in their destruction suffering wrong as a wage for their wrongdoing they counted pleasure to revel in the daytime they are blots and blemishes reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved Gain from wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These are waterless springs and mists driven by a storm. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. For speaking loud boasts of folly, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person... The dog returns to its own vomit. The sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. And that was a lot of words. But let's try to unpack it in uh, a simple outline. It's simple symptoms of false teachings. Prophecy versus blasphemy. Freedom versus slavery. Salvation versus destruction. Big words. Let's try to define it and as we help each other unpack what's going on in this passage. You see, prophecy in its original language is defined as to speak forth by divine inspirations, to predict, to utter forth, to declare a thing which can only be made known by divine revelation. Common word, divine. It has to come from God. Things spoken forth, declared, that are from God. If I tell you that uh, today is 2023, that is probably not prophecy. That is just a fact. But prophecies has to come forth from God. Come forth from divine inspiration and divine revelation. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 19. It says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from the from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice, born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention. See, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. From this passage, you can see that Peter was both prophesying and talking about prophecy. He was prophesying about prophecy. He was teaching the church about prophecy by declaring a prophecy. He prophesied about matters that were revealed through divine revelation, a voice from heaven, a word from God. He made known to the churches the matters that pertain to life and godliness, that this Jesus is the Son of God. To which the church would do well to pay attention to. This is something you need to know. Breaking news. This Jesus that we're standing with on this holy mountain is the Son of God because the voice from heaven said so. Prophecy. Peter also spoke not from his own will. He's speaking from God as he was carried along by the Spirit. All prophecy is like this. You cannot say anything to be prophecy if it is not from God or from the Spirit. In contrast, as we have read in our passage in chapter 2, false teachers are different. We are told that the first symptom of false teaching and false teachers are that instead of prophesying or declaring truths from God, they are blasphemers. Blasphemers. Let's read that again. Bold and willful, they do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones. Whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce a blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as a wage of their wrongdoing. So now, another big word has uh, popped up from this passage, blasphemy. If prophecy is declaring the things of God from God and by God, what is blasphemy? The word blasphemy in its original language is defined as to speak offensively, to revile, to speak evil of, to rail at. In our common day terms, it says to trash talk, to talk trash, to talk destructively about the things of God. To talk destructively, to trash talk what God has said, what God has prophesied about, what He has declared, the ultimate reality truths, they insult, they destroy, they offend. That is what blasphemy is. So, again, recap. The first symptom that we see of false teachings and false teachers is that they blaspheme, they speak offensively and destructively about the things God has revealed, spoken, And made known. You see, there is a direct link between what we believe and the life we live. So if blasphemers destroy, offend, try to tear down the truths that we must believe in order to live the life of Jesus, then they are destroying the very life that is promised to us. And for those who believe those destructions, for it believes those false truths, they're headed for a life of destruction as well. Recap of first Peter one. It says first Peter one three verse four, three and four, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His Precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. What is it saying? It says that God grants us everything that we need to live a life of godliness. Through what? Through knowledge, through truth, through beliefs, through His promises. He gave us that through His Son Jesus Christ, through His Word that is abiding with us today, through His Spirit that is continuing to teach us today. Through that, through the knowledge of him and his promises, only are we able to partake in the godly nature. If there is no knowledge of God, if there are no promises of God, there is no way for us to walk in the life and plan of God. So what's it saying? Imagine if people start insulting and destroying these very promises, The very knowledge and denying the master the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's hammering at the very foundations of your faith. Just like Pastor Jared mentioned last week, in Genesis, we see this very same instance happening by the serpent who sought to destroy, revile, and blaspheme about God's commands. Did he really say Did he really promise? Did he? The serpent was poisoning the truth of God. Not by saying something opposite, but he was poisoning it. It's still bread, but there was poison injected. There was a destruction, a one degree tangent that would lead completely to an opposite outcome. And Eve saw that it was good to the eyes. It appealed to her senses. It makes sense. Ganda? Oga naman? Pwede naman siguro? Bakit naman hindi? Crumbles, hammers, cracks. So the near foundation is shaking. And the life that you live is no longer the life that God intended for Adam and Eve. Our lives are compromised with the false teachings and the blasphemers that destroy the knowledge of God and his promises. Believing destructive teachings about God and his promises will destroy, yes it will, the life we are promised and the godliness that is available for us in Christ. That's what it's saying. And now you're probably saying, ah, no, I haven't been listening to any false teaching. Pretty sure they're all biblical. But the passage also says another thing. But before we proceed, let me give you an analogy. I'm sure you've all bought from online shopping platforms, where it says sometimes you have 150 pesos in your cart, or let's say 1,500 pesos in your cart, and then there's a banner that pops up. It says, if you add 3,000 more, you'll get free shipping. Then some people say, oh, free shipping. Sige, add 3,000. But then the shipping was 50 pesos. So you had to spend 3,000 more for free shipping when it was just 50 pesos. May mga tita yun, tito na nabubudol dito, di ka rin nagigitsi. Eh. Si Nicole, yung staff natin, pagkasamak doon, sabi niya, add 250 more, makakakuha ka ng fries. Tapos parang narealize niya, oh, sulit din ah. Eh, pag lang siya ng fries, magkano lang yun eh. Si Nicole lagi bubud sa McDo. So ganun eh, hindi ko nag-gets. We don't get it. Why did I have to drop Nicole under the bus? It's because false teachings are like this. It's not as subtle as online shopping na obvious naman. Three thousand fifty lang eh. What does it say? It says in First Peter one verse two, many will follow this sensuality. Whereas Makdo doesn't make sense or Lazada doesn't make sense, this blasphemy, these false teachings, it appeals to your senses just like it appeals to Eve and her senses. Hmm. Makes sense, Sulita. Oh, you know, it entices unsteady souls. It entices you to forsake the right way. It entices you to go astray. Even though it's loud and it's foolish, it's enticing. Because it appeals to your central passions. Feels good. eh? Makes sense to me. And yet, you're in error. But it's enticing. Is error enticing? 1 Timothy verse 4. Paul was warning Timothy here. He says, Now the Spirit expressly, explicitly says that in later times, which we are living in, by the way, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. It says deceitful. It's not obvious. It's secret. It's cunning. And then he encourages uh, Timothy. He says, you... But you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. I want us to look at this passage because it's teaching us how to fight against falling into false teaching. It doesn't say that you just have to study the Bible or read it more, because false teachers... They know the Bible. They have come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They have known the right way, the righteous way. And all of us are in the same page. We know Jesus. We know his ways. We have been delivered his holy commands. What's the difference? What do we need to do? In Timothy, it's saying, Yes, Timothy, you are trained in the words of the faith. And of the good doctrine. Can we flash that slide again? It says, but train yourself, follow it. Train yourself and follow it. How many of us know Jesus, know the word, the words of the faith? Alam moy, Sunday school questions, alam moy, will you go to heaven? Alam moy. Good doctrine, alam mo yan, justification, sanctification, lahat ng shown. alam mo. But, that's not the difference. The difference maker is, do you train yourself to follow it? Do you train yourself to follow the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have been taught? That's the only way to be a good and faithful servant of Christ Jesus. Not that you know, because these people who know are going to be destroyed, because they don't follow it. They know it, they turn away. They completely train themselves in another way. They forsake the right way. The difference is, do you know, and train, and walk, and follow what you know? I recently read a quote from A.W. Tozer. It says, he says, it's not about how many sermons you've heard. Rather, it is about how much of those sermons you have obeyed. I'll repeat that. It's not about how many sermons you have heard. Rather, it is about how much of those sermons you have obeyed. Some people attend church, and galing kasi ng speaker, eh. parang na excite ako, eh. nag galing mag preach. Eh. You know, that doesn't make you any godlier to be entertained. no more galing may mga history pa may mga ano pa may mga busy busy pa may mga ano pa roman emperor pa pero, dami gusto mo ganun eh tumataba ang utak mo pero yung kamay mo pa, payat pa rin yung christian life mo eh malnourished eh. it says to be a good servant of christ train di lang pwede head day parate eh. papa entertain ka mentally spiritually dito spiritually is everything train yourself walk in that way in the knowledge that you know. Because those that are enticed, those are the ones that are unsteady. Anubang unsteady. Ang inisip ko ang. bang Christian. Eh, ng katawan. yun medyo unsteady, ba laki. Those are the ones that are enticed by false teachings. You don't know how to stand there. Eh. So anytime a new doctrine is presented to you, mm, sounds good. They entice and steady souls. Your souls are not grounded in a way. You're just entertained by knowledge. Christ is the way. Christ is the truth. Christ is the life. You cannot just know him. You have to know his truth, follow his way to have his life happen to you cannot just know Jesus and know about him. You're very unsteady. Church, have we been training ourselves or have we been entertaining ourselves with the knowledge of God? Because false teachers will arrive from among us. Have you been establishing yourself following the good doctrine that you have been taught? Because false teachers are coming and they are enticing and they are very, very, very deceitful. How confident are you that you're established and walking, at least applying some of what you have heard in your sermons? Last thing about first Timothy four. Peter Paul doesn't say, I will train you for godliness. Godliness is something we do. Something we actively partake. I cannot train Kimball for godliness. He has to do that for himself. Ultimately, the church can present truths, opportunities. But you have to take personal responsibility for your own godliness. Have you taken that up? If it's a personal relationship with God, have you taken personal responsibility second. Freedom versus slavery. You see, I grew up in the Christian faith and received Jesus Christ at the age of nine. And many Christians think that once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, things will automatically become holier, holier. Now there are cases and testimonies like that where after they receive Jesus, addictions are broken, bondages are, are unchained, That was not the case for me. Throughout my early Christian life, I continued to struggle with sin. And I still do. But whether it be lack of self-control in my thoughts, in my emotions, in my actions, or even the lack of self-discipline in doing the right things that I want to do, that I need to do, I couldn't. Like eating right, less makdo, exercising, spending time in God's word. I couldn't get myself to control myself. I could not do what I needed to do even though I knew it and I was establishing the truth this is the healthy food this is the healthy lifestyle I couldn't and this is what Paul in Romans was saying Romans 7:21 to 25 I find it to be a law that when I want to do right an evil lies close at hand for I delight in the law of God in my inner being But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here in Romans, Paul is revealing that that though he knows God, he wants to do right with God. He delights in the law of God. He's still aware of the fact that his flesh also wants to do another thing. His members want to do another thing. And the only hope and salvation for people like us who are saved and, yes, want to honor God and want to do what's right according to his laws is not more willpower, more motivation, more desire, more self discipline. No. The only deliverance we can hope for is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in our passage for today, the false teachers know this. Sin Jesus Christ mm, They know that. And yet and yet they turn their backs on this way. They turn their backs on him. Intentionally, like my dog storm, they go back to old ways even they know, even if they know that there is food. Actual food. This is what it's saying in 2 Peter 2, 19-21. They promise others freedom. But they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it, turns their back from the Holy Commandment, delivered to them. These false teachers are not just unintentionally falling back to sin. Ah, sorry, Lord, I sinned again. They're like, no, I want to sin. No, I know Jesus is the solution, yet I will choose the wrong way. So I'm not likening Christians who struggle with sin as false teachings or false teachers. The difference is they willfully and boldly and loudly and boastfully say, "Hmm, I know Jesus, but I don't want that life. They willfully, after having knowledge of God, entangle themselves again to old patterns and old appetites. They willfully allow themselves to be overcome again by their flesh instead of being overcome by the spirit. You see, false teachings promise us freedom. But you see, being able to do what we want is not true freedom. This is actually slavery to our own desires. Being able to do what we should is true freedom. This is freedom. Righteousness. The difference between those two lines is that false teachers promise people freedom. You will enjoy life. Did God really say, don't do that? Imagine, so many people are doing it. Look at their lives. They're richer, they're happier, they're more joyful. Believe this. It makes sense. It's enticing. You feel free, free will to choose. And yet what you're choosing is actually going back to what you were enslaved by, your own wisdom, your own knowledge, and your own salvation of yourself, which actually leads to destruction. True freedom is being able to choose God and allow Him to lead you to the life that has always been dependent on His guidance, His promises, and His ways, His truth. Being able to do what we want is not true freedom. It is slavery to our own desires. So symptom number two. False teaching is false teacher. Symptom number two, slavery. They enslave us to our own desires, our sensuality, and the passions of our flesh. So now, as you're listening, my TikTok, the youth were telling me, Pastor Nathan, there are so many Bible teachers in TikTok, but all of them, most of them, all, most of them are teaching false teachings. Na blessed din ako kasi di ko Paano nila youth pero okay. But as you listen to teachers, this is what you have to use as a filter: Is this teaching freeing me to do what God wants me to do in His ways, in His words, in His truth? Or is is this teaching giving me license to be the God of my own life, to follow myself and to be enslaved to my own knowledge, my own way of life, and my own truths? Freedom or slavery? Am I free from myself? It is through his very great and precious promises that we become partakers of the divine nature. It is through it that we become escapers of corruption because of our sinful desire. And maybe you are in the place where I was also, having received Christ and the knowledge of him, but still like Paul, find yourself at war with your own desires. Very unsteady. We need to live by the promises of God to establish ourselves in the truth, a way of life that is established in His truth, in His promises. Maybe just a short story about uh, my own testimony. I was a Christian and I struggled with a lot of unforgiveness. I thought that forgiveness is something just God does. God, only. And so, I was a person who was not like God. Who is a lot like God, and I took a lot of offense to heart and did not forget them. I "This this this But it was not until I clung on to God's promises that I was able to overcome my desires to be avenged. To be justified? To be clarified? Romans two nineteen to 21 Help me, beloved, never avenge yourselves But leave it to the wrath of God For it is written, vengeance is mine I will repay, says the Lord I clung on to this promise Even though my heart was still unforgiving I clung on to it, Lord, Telaga, You'll defend me someday? You'll repay for my, the ones that offended me? traumatized me someday? You will? You will? Really? You will? I kept on clinging, meditating on that promise. It wasn't, ah, I need to forgive, I need to say sorry, I need to say sorry, I need to say sorry. sorry." That never worked. But when I started meditating on his precious and very great promises, my heart indirectly started to change, started to move. So the problem, you see, is not that we need to try harder. The problem is the only way we can partake of the divine nature is through his precious and very great promises so imagine the false teachers if they stop teaching these promises they, they lead you to a life of frustration and sensuality tama god is my defender bakit ko siya forgive distorted enticing tama naman ah. defender but si god pero avenger din siya Distortions, enticements, incomplete truths. So root ourselves in the promises of God. What promise from God do you need to cling on to to escape your own sinful desires? Is there something that's enslaving you in your own desires today that you haven't had a promise to cling on to? Have you been trying hard to overcome a desire without any promise any truth, any power? What promise do you need to hold on to for power against the desires that wage war against God's work in you, that's preventing you from life and godliness? What false teaching, what false beliefs have you been clinging on to? May the Spirit help us. Last, salvation and destruction. Let's go to Peter for, uh, chapter one again. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be a richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here in chapter one, Peter is reminding us as a declarer and prophet of God's truth that in order not to fall in the pilgrimage, In our pilgrim's life, we must practice diligently the godly qualities that are available for us. We must put effort, perseverance in doing this, never stopping. In this way, it says that we will diligently train ourselves in godliness throughout our time of exile until the eternal kingdom comes or until we go to it. There will be a grand entrance available for us for those who are faithful and good servants, who diligently walk by his ways, practice these qualities. We will not be ineffective and unfruitful in our time of exile. Confirmation of your calling does not come from knowledge of your calling, it's practicing the qualities of your calling, it's training yourself for godliness. This is in contrast to the false teachers. Salvation natin yun, sila, destruction. Because they forsake the right way, they have gone astray. They followed the way of Balaam, who loved gain from wrongdoing. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness. After knowing it, turned back from the holy commandment delivered to them. So what's this symptom? False teachings, teacher, symptom number three, willful rebellion. Willful rebellion. They, after knowing God and his truth, willfully forsake and turn their backs on him and his ways, leading themselves and others to a life of enmity with God. And Peter does not end with a gentle rebuke. He promises a sure, 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 sure destruction for people like this. There is no hope for them. There is no salvation for them. Unrepentant. 1 Peter 2, 3, 12, 17, it says, Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. But these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. Maybe in this last times, we don't see a lot of destruction happening to the evildoers, doers, false teachers, they're probably richer, more prosperous in this life, more followers, bigger churches. May mga cult na thousands and thousands of members, lakin ng facility, lakin ng pera, mandatory kasi yung offering. What destruction. But then Second Peter promises. No, it's not asleep. Their destruction is already prepared. As we end today, I just want to show you that our passage today is both a warning and an encouragement. Both a warning and an encouragement. A warning because it shows us that even for those who know God and his truth, just like all of us, there remains a choice to be made. To choose diligently to train ourselves in the words of faith. To walk in godliness in the things that we have learned. Or, after knowing it, after receiving the holy commandments, turn our backs on God, Jesus, and his ways. Eating poop again, even after we have discovered true food. So it's a warning for us as pilgrims. Have we been following false teaching that indulges us back again and entangles back again to ourselves? But it's also an encouragement because we know that the end is near. The end is very near. He's at the gates, at the very gates. And soon things will be put in their proper place. A prophecy, a promise that we are holding very, very tightly onto. Jesus is coming. If that's not good news to you, maybe it's a chance to repent. But if Jesus is coming, those three words incites a fire in your soul. Malapit na. Malapit na. Jesus is coming. That should inflame your heart and refresh your soul. That should encourage you. Our master is coming. Our master is coming. Coming soon. Christmas, just like in my opening prayer, I was meditating. Christmas is just around the corner. I was reading a meditation on Christmas. The first Christmas was the awaiting of everything, the Messiah but the last Christmas will be the same. Last coming of the king. In his first coming, we received hope. In his last coming, we'll receive life forevermore. And destruction, a warning and an encouragement. What are you doing with the knowledge of God that you have? Are you establishing yourself? Or are you unsteady, being too head heavy? No life, no way, only truth. So allow me to read you Revelation before we close. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Jesus says, and behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near, Let the evil doer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. 18 to 20, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely, I am coming soon. Jesus says he is coming soon. And to that, we say, Amen. To that, we say, Come, Lord Jesus. I pray the word speaks strongly to you, even after this sermon. And not just that, that you walk according to the sermon, according to God's word today. Allow me to step back and allow you a few moments to reflect on what the Lord is speaking to you personally.